0: I invite you to remain standing a moment longer for this morning's reading from the Gospel. I'll be reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 6th chapter, verses 27 through 38. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, Offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask them for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. You may be seated. I have heard a number of people over the years comment about that uh, text I just read to you. Uh, it can challenge us in a number of ways, I think uh, one of the, uh, the first ways it challenges a lot of us is it just doesn't feel right. Uh, this uh, turning the other cheek, giving more than what has been asked of us, these, these things just kind of run counter, uh, intuitive to the ways uh, we have lived our lives for the most part. The ways our, our culture and society seem to be shaped. We... We are people who want justice, retribution, those kinds of things. We, this can challenge us. And then for a lot of us, or people maybe that we have come to know and to love, this text has been used to control them. And when I say to control them, oftentimes what we hear people using this text for is a way that God, I think, never intended it for it to be used, or Jesus, when He pronounced it to somehow infer that people need to be uh, continuing in dangerous, harmful, uh, maybe even toxic relationships. This text, I think, has been taken out of context to control people and to stay in these awful relationships. So again, these texts uh, can challenge us. Those are just a couple of ways uh, uh, that I can think of. Uh, but but certainly what we have here is a continuation of last week's text that we Uh, talked about being the Sermon on the Plain, where uh, Jesus uh, talked uh, about the need that we should uh, engage in this uh, duty that we have to uh, help the poor, uh, to help the hungry, uh, to feed, to do these things, and also to be aware that when people hate us on behalf of our relationship with Jesus, that in and of itself is a blessing for us. And of course, last week we got into the woes uh that followed uh, those blessings uh, those moments of of happiness for the faithful the woes to those who are already rich those who are already uh, filled and and their bellies are full those who who laugh Jesus says when you fail to love like he had said those that feel the blessing of today they are the ones who who face the empty bellies of tomorrow uh the 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 lack of joy and laughter, uh, the lack of of, of means to take care of. So, So this is a continuation, if you will, of that teaching. We hear Jesus say, listen. So he is continuing in his message and he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. You know, I think it's safe to say we're usually pretty comfortable loving our family, right? That, for, for most of us. I mean, I know that there are those moments in any kind of family dynamic where, where there are some challenges and, and sometimes families have those black sheep who really get kind of way off and, and, and out there. But, but for the most part, I think it's easy for us to love our families and even our friends. That, that thing, those kinds of things kind of, of seem to come natural to, to love back. Someone who seems to be loving you. That's, a, that's an easier kind of response. But Jesus says, look, what kind of credit is that to you, my followers? Because even sinners love people who love them. Sinners love their families. So what kind of a a credit is it if, if we hate on someone who's hating us? And this is where that uncomfortableness starts to take hold you know back uh in the in the understanding that jews had if you go all the way back to the time of moses there were a lot of those if then situations if if someone were to do this to you then here's the response if a neighbor were to do this or a neighbor's animal here is the response there's all these kinds of uh, of retribution if you will or or some might argue retaliation that go way back they're seated deep in our old testament kinds of teachings but but certainly here jesus the revelation of God and Jesus the Son. Jesus is saying, I have a new kind of justice system. And it's not built upon that old kind of mosaic law that even my people, as Jesus is speaking as a Jew, even my people would understand. He is ushering in this new way of life, this new way of understanding, this new way of treating people. It's a different kind of justice. It's not built upon retribution or retaliation. It's built upon love. Wow. It's built upon forgiveness. It's built upon a different kind of a response. I read a story of a a man who uh, was retired and in his retirement years, he, he began to go to... Uh, uh, the Bill Myers Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee to watch the minor uh, ball club play baseball there. And, and he said as he started going, there was this, there was this, an older man even than himself. And he said this man had season tickets. And every time, uh, this retired man went to the game, he said that man was seated in the same seat. And he said every time, uh, a batter came up to bat, uh, this man would chant the same thing. Walk him, pitcher. Walk him. Every time, for every batter, he said, and on those instances uh, when the batter happened to get a walk uh, from uh, the pitcher, uh, the 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 man would yell, "You walked the wrong man!" triumphantly, and, and and the retired man telling the story says, "You know, it didn't seem the the batter couldn't win either way, the pitcher couldn't win. That is, either way, this man would would chastise him, and you know, we we." We find ourselves in places in life like that where we don't think we can win any way. Here's an example, maybe of an attitude that we could have, especially when we feel like we just can't win. There's there's no way that we're finding a, a successful path. George Whitfield. Some of you that uh, are Wesleyan uh, heritage kinds of people might recognize the name George Whitfield. He was a a very strong, probably one of the most uh, uh, prominent evangelistic preachers that the Wesley brothers uh, had as a part of their fellowship of, of preaching and spreading the, the holiness across the land, and George Whitfield uh, received a letter, uh, and in the letter that George Whitfield received, it, it, he was spitefully accused of assorted wrongdoings by this letter writer, things that they saw in George Whitfield's ministry. So George Whitfield probably feeling like he couldn't win either way, but I think more as a faithful response perhaps to even this kind of a teaching that he heard and understood Jesus. This was George Whitfield's response. I thank you heartily for your letter. As for what you and my other enemies are saying against me, I know worse things about myself than you will ever say about me. With love in Christ, George Whitfield. Now think about that response. It was a response. It wasn't so much that some of us here are thinking, well, maybe that was a different way of turning the other cheek. It wasn't a, a, a hateful letter sent back saying, I'm sure you're as bad a sinner as me. He, George Whitfield didn't engage in that kind of behavior. So, friends, when we hear those teachings about turning the other cheek, I've heard people talk about that action of turning the other cheek uh, because... When the strong hand is used to uh to, to strike somebody and it and it hits the left cheek uh, of a responding person, uh to turn the other cheek puts the uh, uh the, the, the left hand, uh, a less favorable hand then in the position. And so even in that turning the other cheek, some suggest that it's a power control by the one who is the victim and not the victimizer. So these things that Jesus taught, I don't think we're we're passively or or just objectively forgetting to respond. It's in how we respond, you see, to the one who victimizes. The returning with a Christian response. I think there's power in those opportunities that we have. Here's this passage of Scripture. Verse 31, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Oh, Pastor, now I can relate to that one. That sounds like the golden rule. That sounds like what Mom used to teach. That sounds like the way I've been brought up. But there's more to that passage of Scripture. If you want to pluck that one verse out of this entire reading and and, and believe that it justifies a a physical response to abuse or or these other kinds of responses, you are misreading the text. You've proof-texted your belief. And while mother might have said that to us, teaching us as we grew up uh, to act that way, there's more to this. We should add, regardless of their actions, treat them as you want to be treated in the understanding of Christian love. So if we ground our understanding in this Christian love, this passive response, a response, yes, but not a violent active response, then perhaps we are following in the footsteps of of Jesus. We're, We're responding as Jesus would suggest that we would respond. Pope Gregory in the Middle Ages was asked to allow King Henry IV of Germany to divorce. And if you are a student of history, you know back in the Middle Ages, popes were not just spiritual guides of a church, of a Christian movement, they also were politically uh, 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 elevated too. And so for King Henry to want a divorce from Bertha of Savoy, he needed to have the Pope's blessing. And when he came to the Pope for blessing, the Pope actually excommunicated King Henry IV from the church. Now don't get King Henry IV of Germany confused with Henry VIII of England who would dispose of his wives in different ways. King Henry IV of, uh, of Germany uh, wanted the church's blessing on the divorce. And after being excommunicated, King Henry IV went to Rome to ask again, to ask for the Pope's blessing. He found that the Pope had gone to uh, uh, his winter retreat, and so King Henry and his entourage went up into the mountains, into the snow, and the Pope made King Henry wait outside for three days. So, Here is King Henry's entourage. Again, the Pope kind of putting the the political screws to the king to show him that he's just as powerful as the king is. And finally, after three days, the Pope said he would hear King Henry's petition. And so King Henry took off his shoes and walked through the snow, fell down on the frozen ground in front of the Pope and asked for absolution so that he could be married. And that... Contrite heart won the Pope over and the Pope granted King Henry's request for divorce. This isn't a message about divorce. It's about our willingness to have a change of heart and to receive the blessing of God. You know, when you think about what, what, was, what, what, does it, what did it take you? At what cost to you is your salvation? What do you have to do? What do you have to pay? What do you have to go through for your salvation. And friends, the good news is is Jesus has done it for you. Our friend, our brother, our Savior, our Lord, the Son of Almighty God has walked through the snow and much worse for you so that you can receive the blessing of God. What is expected then of us? These teachings of Jesus give us a standard to live by. And Jesus doesn't say it's going to be easy. He doesn't say that you only have to do it a, a, a few times. This is a life-changing decision that you and I make. Yes, we could see it as idealistic. Yes, it could be idealistic. But it is God's plan for us. It's God's plan to, to, uh, for us to live in the heart of Christ as Christ lives in our heart. It's, it's first step kinds of teachings. If we want to be these followers, we've got to have that contrite heart. We've got to be willing to, to make the sacrifice to say, it's going to be challenging, but I'm willing to do this. And so how do we begin to, to, to unwrap what it means to turn the other cheek, to to give more when, when not everything is asked for? How, how does all that come about in friends? My answer to you is trust and have faith and learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. There's an old story, uh, a legend of Simon Peter. Simon Peter is is in Rome uh, at the time. Uh, Nero, the emperor uh, of Rome, is uh, uh, persecuting Christians heavily. As a matter of fact, Nero is finding great joy in watching Christians burn on a cross. And so Peter's... Uh, entourage, Peter's supporters, Peter's inside cr- crew say, Peter, you need to leave Rome. You, you, you can't uh, be caught by Nero here in Rome. And, and the legend says Peter is is beginning to leave Rome and this shadowy figure approaches. And this shadowy figure uh, Peter realizes is Jesus Himself. And so well, this is the Latin words quo vadis domine translates where are you going, Lord? And Jesus says, my servant Peter is fleeing the church. I'm going to the cross again. You see, what are we willing to do? If Jesus has paid our price, and if this emerging standard of conduct for us is, is a different way of responding to the challenges of the world, what will you do? What will I do? How We can Become people that Jesus speaks about here. We can turn the other cheek. We can begin to seek reconciliation instead of revenge. We can be people of love instead of people of hate. We can be people of a new way of living. And when we choose that path, we are responding to the heart of Christ. We are living as Christ calls us to live. In just a moment, we are going to come to Christ's table. A table built upon love. A table where we again share stories about what God has done for God's people and how Jesus has come to offer us this great hope, this life in Jesus. And so I hope and I pray that as you prepare your hearts to come to this table, that you would consider this ongoing sermon, this sermon on the plain of of loving in a unique and very radical way. Because that's what it means to be followers of Jesus. To love as Jesus loved. To be changed by that love so that our lives look more like the life of Christ than perhaps our world around us. So love and trust and be willing to forgive and reconcile instead of seeking retribution or equality, because we've seen this radical way that Jesus has invited us to live. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.